This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. It's Monday, July 12th. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Here's what we're watching today. Why migration trends between the U.S. and Mexico have flipped. Plus, how self-driving car technology can improve wheelchairs. But first, today's one big thing. Heat and wildfires are pushing the Western grid to the brink. Stories of how extreme heat and wildfires are affecting communities are pouring out of the western U.S. and Canada. One that caught our eye is out of Oregon, where a wildfire is threatening power grid lines in northern California. This as the grid is stretched thin across much of the country. Axios' Andrew Friedman has the latest on the heat and fires. Hey, Andrew. Hey there. Before we get to the grid, can you give us the latest on the wildfires out west? Yeah, so the wildfire situation is, as expected, not good. We have numerous fires across the Pacific Northwest that have been doubling in size each day with such extreme fire behavior, which means that they're really creating their own weather systems and they're very, very hard for firefighters to fight them. Most of these fires, like from Saturday to Sunday, one of them, the bootleg fire, which is the one that concerns the power lines, uh, had doubled in size to about 150,000 acres. When you say that they're creating their own weather systems, what does that mean? Because there's so much heat involved and because the temperatures are so extreme and the dryness is so extreme, they're able to suck in air around them. They're able to change the air circulation in that region and release tremendous amounts of heat aloft into the atmosphere. So you'll see giant uh, thunderclouds created by these fires. These fires are actually spawning lightning, which is in turn creating other fires downwind. So they are creating their own kind of extreme weather conditions, even though extreme weather is giving rise to them in the first place. The bootleg fire has doubled in size over the weekend in Oregon. How is that putting pressure on the grid in California? So the grid connection between California and Oregon consists basically of several parallel high voltage power lines, you know, of the sort that you might pass while driving on a highway and seeing them high above that highway. They're just at high altitude, about 6,500 feet, and they are directing power from Oregon into California. And what's happening is you have this huge fire near close enough to these power lines to threaten to knock them out, either out of service or burn them completely. You know, sometimes their fate is not quite known. So it's a very direct impact between the power lines and the grid connection between Oregon and California. And and that's worth, you know, several thousand megawatts of electricity between Oregon and California. It's about 4,800 
megawatts of electricity that they would lose in California if these power lines were completely taken out. That's not an unmitigated disaster scenario. However, it would be felt by Californians. It would be something that they might trigger a higher degree of alert in California and say, okay, well, instead of asking people to conserve, we're actually going to do some rolling blackouts. Axios is Andrew Friedman. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks for having me. We'll be back in 15 seconds with changing migration at the southern U.S. border. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome back to Axios Today. I'm Nyla Boudou. So much of the conversation around migration between the U.S. and Mexico focuses on Mexicans coming to the U.S. But migration between the two countries isn't a one-way street. Axios' Steph Kite has been tracking a new Pew Research Center report that explains some of this, and she joins us now to catch us up. Hey, Steph. Hi, Nyla. How many people are we talking about here? So the the main finding from this report is that although between 2005 and about 2014, there have been more people leaving the U.S. for Mexico than Mexicans coming to the U.S., between 2013 and 2018, which was the most recent period that Pew Research studied, they saw that shift back to there being more Mexicans coming into the U.S. rather than people leaving the U.S. for Mexico. Why is that changing? So there are a couple of different things. Before the early 2000s and the 90s and 80s, there were a lot more migrants coming to the U.S. from Mexico. And that number was 2.3 million between 1995 and 2000. That was a net number of Mexicans who were coming to the U.S. So 2.3 million more Mexicans came to the U.S. during those years than left. You know, there are a couple things that impacted the switch, one of them being the 2008 financial crisis when there weren't as many jobs. It was less of a pull for migrants coming to the U.S. Another thing that researchers pointed out was the fact that the birth rate has been falling in Mexico, so there may be fewer young adults who would typically be the population moving to the U.S. to to take jobs. So this is all looking backwards. What do demographers or migration experts expect now or for 2021? You know, one thing that they're watching is how, of course, the coronavirus pandemic impacts this. Because the border shut down and lots of legal means of immigrating into the U.S. were closed down as well to prevent, you know, the virus from spreading. The numbers in 2020, when you look at different visas, were really low, especially for visas that people from Mexico usually use to come to the U.S. So we're waiting to see kind of how that impacts the numbers and whether we'll continue to see more Mexicans coming to the U.S. or whether, again, because of the pandemic, we see actually more people leaving the U.S. for Mexico than there are people coming to the U.S. Steph Kite covers politics and migration for Axios. Thanks, Steph. Thanks for having me. The technology behind self-driving vehicles could be used to make motorized wheelchairs smarter. That's what Axios' Joanne Muller has been reporting from Detroit. Hi, Joanne. How are wheelchairs getting the Tesla treatment? 
So there's a company called Lucy that is adding a lot of the sensors like cameras and radar and ultrasonic sensors onto a wheelchair so that it can actually stop itself if there's an obstacle and it can avoid tipping over and things like that. Even has Wi-Fi and Bluetooth on it. How expensive is this technology to be adapted to these wheelchairs? Lucy is sold for about $8,500, which sounds like a lot of money. But when you think that you're paying anywhere from $30,000 to $90,000 for the chair itself, which is customized for each user, it really seems like that's worth making it smarter. How do you think it improves these wheelchairs? A lot of people in motorized wheelchairs might not necessarily have good vision, right? So they can't see what obstacles are near them. There might be a baby or a pet crawling behind them. And if they're going backwards, they might not see that. They can also avoid tipping over uneven pavement or or curbs and things like that. Believe it or not, wheelchair users have a lot of accidents and collisions. Axios is Joanne Muller. Thank you, Joanne. Thank you, Nyla. Last 10 years has been uh, an incredible journey um, that is not stopping here. Before we go today, the Wimbledon portion of our summer, or maybe I should say my summer, ended this weekend. Novak Djokovic won the men's title, securing a new place in the history books, joining greats Roger Federer and Rafa Nadal, each having 20 titles to their name. Djokovic's win in London yesterday means he's not stopping. He's actually on track for a potential Golden Slam. That's winning not just a Grand Slam, the Australian, French, Wimbledon, and U.S. Opens, but also the gold medal at this year's Olympics. What a year. That's it for us today. You can always send us feedback by emailing us at podcasts at axios.com. You can message me on Twitter or you can text me at 202-918-4893. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, and we'll see you back here tomorrow morning.